1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Mayo. In this week's programme, it's 8-2 to Team New Zealand after another race is called off due to high winds. A new era of private ownership for the Blues as they welcome a new chief executive. New Zealand's world number one amateur golfer Lydia Ko goes back to school after reaching another milestone. The Heineken Open scores after re-signing World No. 4 David Ferrer, who returns to the Auckland Men's Tennis Tournament in a bid to win a record fifth Heineken Open title this summer. The two unbeaten sides in the domestic rugby championships, Wellington and Canterbury, face off in the capital. And, as the English Premier League resumes after an international break, Coliseum looks to iron out its problems for those wanting to watch it live here in New Zealand. Team New Zealand and America's Cup defenders, Oracle Team USA, are at loggerheads over increasing the racing wind limits for the remainder of the regatta after yet another race postponement in San Francisco today. Defenders Oracle comfortably won the opening race of the day to get within six points of Team New Zealand, who lead eight points to two in the race to nine. But racing was called off just a minute before the second race of the day, prompting Oracle to reveal they want an increase to the 20.3 knot win limit. Stephen Houston reports
2: Team New Zealand remain an elusive win away from the America's Cup after today's second race became the fourth to be postponed because of high winds on San Francisco Bay. The wind rules were agreed to by the teams prior to the regatta following the death of Artemis sailor Andrew Simpson, who drowned when the Swiss syndicate's boat capsized while training on San Francisco Bay. With Oracle having a perceived advantage in stronger winds, skipper Jimmy Spittle says they've written to Team New Zealand seeking an agreement to raise the wind limit. Or at least the fact that if you start a race, you've got to finish it. You know, they can't blow it off
0: because we think that'd be better for the sport, it'd be better for people watching, but it takes them to agree to it, you know,
2: and if
0: uh, at the moment we're stuck with the wind limits and we'll just, you know, this is likely to
2: happen again. Seemingly performing better in lighter conditions, it's no surprise Team New Zealand's Dean Barker is against a change partway through the event. It just
3: doesn't seem right to change any rules, you know, halfway through a um, through a series. You know, you when you start that series that's how it should be. You know, we, We've set our boat up knowing what the wind limits are going to be and we don't believe that we should um, have to change it.
2: The irony is that both teams held differing views before the start of the regatta. Barker says they compromised in agreeing to the wind limit suggested by race director Ian Murray.
3: When the safety recommendations were being uh, discussed, we were very much in favour of 25 knots being the wind limit and at that stage Oracle wanted it to be 20 and so... The middle ground was, a, you know, the staggered wind limit. It started at twenty, then went to twenty one during the LV um, series, and then twenty three for the uh, the match. And at the time, you know, we thought it was too low, but we
2: accepted it. But Jimmy Spittle says the sailing ability of both teams on the AC seventy two catamarans has improved vastly since the rules were agreed to. If you look at the level of these two teams now, we're way above where we were when Ian
0: made those recommendations. So I think. Both teams are up for it. Two of the world's best teams in sailing out there and you've got a beautiful breeze like this in the afternoon and we have to come ashore. But it takes two teams to agree and um, if these guys don't want to do it then we'll just keep bumping into this problem each day.
2: Spittle says their latest win is a major confidence boost and as an Australian he's also taking particular pleasure in denying Team New Zealand the one race they need to claim the old mug.
4: Jimmy, uh, after the three straight days when they were denied the opportunity to win the Cup, are you enjoying watching Dean and Glenn and two four million Kiwis squirm at this point?
2: I'm loving every minute of it. (laughs) Team New Zealand's bid to win one more race on San Francisco Bay resumes tomorrow, with two more races scheduled and the forecast suggesting lighter wins, which means an improved chance of both races going ahead.
1: Stephen Houston reporting. The Blues have appointed their new chief executive as the Super Rugby franchise moves into the new era of private ownership. The former Hamilton City Council chief executive and mayor, Michael Reedman was appointed to the position, having previously been involved in sport governance with the Breakers and Northern Districts Cricket. Redmond has somewhat of a chequered history, having resigned from CEO of Auckland Tourism, Events and Economic Development, after an auditor's report blamed him for Hamilton's $32 million V8 supercars budget blowout. Alex Coogan-Reeves spoke to him about the new role and asked what attracted him to the position.
5: You know, one of the the, the changes in, in Super Rugby with the introduction of the, um, the private equity partners, I think is creating a really powerful opportunity where you've got you know all of the you know the IP and the and the knowledge from the provincial unions, coupled with you know the commercial and, and and governance experience from the private sector. And I think when you put them both together, it creates a really powerful sort of platform to be able to move forward. And I think you know with the Blues, um, you know having that change effective 1 September, it, it was really attractive to sort of see that those you know those elements of of the foundation for the Blues were in place. And that's really what attracted me was this. You know this new era, I guess, of, of ownership with the strengths of the PUs and 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 private equity.
6: Yeah, and not, so obviously you've done a lot of work in the um, public sector, but you see some similarities in, in this role here.
5: Well, yes, and, and I think you know what you have in common with the public sector is you know you know a large number of stakeholders, you know, with really strong interests and, and and passion for um, for the franchise and for the game and. And you know that brings some challenges around communications as well as opportunities um and so look you know it, the you know when you're dealing with sport it's a it's a it's a a, a brand and a and a and a team that that's owned by its fans and its supporters and its sponsors as as well as the people who've got skin in the game and I think you really have to understand that as you go forward that you know you share um you share the team and you share the brand uh, and the franchise with a whole lot of people and that needs to be understood and respected
6: and what and what what do you see as the major challenges facing the Blues as an organization as they head into this sort of new era um for super rugby
5: well i think in terms of the bigger picture um you know while you know the blues obviously operate in the largest you know market here in auckland uh you know it is also the most competitive and congested in terms of sports and major events and so you know, as an organisation, we have to work really hard to retain and grow our share of sort of hearts and minds in the region when there's all sorts of other new events coming along and and you know this is this is um, a really important aspect, I think for the blues that rugby is our national game, but you know we are competing with a whole lot of other entertainment and major events and and we need to make sure that you know the blues are one of the preferred and high priority you know choices when people are, are are deciding what to do. So I think we need to do a lot of work there and, and deeper engagement with with our fan base across the region. Um, and undoubtedly, you know, Sir John made you know good steps this season towards you know improving our our, our on field performance. And no doubt, you know, his plans going forward are going to see us being more successful on field as well.
6: Would you say it's fair to say the Blues have underperformed in terms of um, fan engagement and? Getting the the region behind them in the last uh, few years.
5: Well, look, I think you know all commentators would say that you know the Blues are, are not the same team that, that won the champion six in the you know, ninety six and ninety seven and lost the final ninety eight and you know that really heady period when when we were the benchmark and and undoubtedly you see that you know engagement and and support. Um, is linked to performances on the field and so we, we understand that and, and we need to be able to demonstrate that we're moving forward but, but equally, you know, you, you know, you can't be the number one dog all the time and we need to be able to demonstrate to our fans and supporters that, you know, we have a culture and a level of performance and competitiveness that's worth supporting all the time. Um, you know, and I'm I'm confident with the things that, you know, we've discussed at a governance and coaching level and, and with player signings that, you know, that we've got all of the ingredients to start, you know, putting that together here from here on in.
6: And um, over the last few months, there was lots of speculation that the Blues were after Richard Clark, who um, has a Breakers connection, like yourself. Yes. Uh, any thoughts on uh, why the wh- whether that was a factor in your appointment?
5: Oh, look, I, I think it's you know been well documented that they were having discussions with Richard, and you know Richard's an outstanding candidate, and he's done a fantastic job at the Breakers, and I can understand why you know, any franchise would be interested in him. But, um, you know, he, he, he's made his decision, which, you know, everybody respects. And that meant that the, the role was vacant. And, and, of course, they went um, back to the to the market. And, you know, I'm very lucky to have been a successful candidate. So, you know, I, I respect Rich's decision, and he's a good guy, and I know Rich well. So um, I understand why he stayed where he is, but it, it did create the opportunity, obviously, for somebody else.
6: And your appointment's likely to create discussion, given criticism that you were sort of subjected to following the hamilton v8 um, supercars thing now how, how do you plan to deal with that and handle that
5: well look i'm on the record um, as as are others about you know how I believe that that report was fundamentally flawed in terms of its its findings and its outcomes and but it, nevertheless, at the time in terms of the wider context, I accepted you know a level of accountability and but two years later, I'm certainly ready to to take this new challenge on, and 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 certainly from my point of view that you know there's some lessons being learned, but they're in the past, and it doesn't take away from you know the experiences and success I've had in the private sector and other roles, and and those are all relevant to this one.
1: The Blues' new CEO, Michael Redman, and it's back to school for the New Zealand golf star Lydia Ko after achieving another milestone in her young career. Co finished second in the Evian Championships in France last weekend, the best ever result by a New Zealander in a women's major. The 16-year-old amateur is now ranked fifth in the world. She returned home this week to focus on school exams. Her coach is Guy Wilson, who told Alex Coogan-Reeves that Co says she's really been able to test herself against the best, and done well.
0: Being over here on the side of the world, there's, there's not a massive um, depth of talent, um, and I guess when she's continually challenged, I think she just goes up a notch, which is and that's kinda of why we've led her into tour events really early. Um the last you know, just the last year she's just only only played one amateur event and showed herself that she can continue to um, compete and improve.
6: I guess if if she hadn't gotten so well in her first couple of private events, you might have thought, um, give her a bit more time. But mm-hmm. because she's just taken to it, you thought, yeah. You know, well, if, if the
0: thing is, if people keep offering her invites, then we're going to continue to um, you know accept them. And, and now we've gone to the the other end of it. let We we can't accept too many of them because you know there's only a limit to what we can do. But you know her, her, her first professional event was when she was twelve, and that's four years ago now. So um, <laughs> she finished seventh here at the Girona Open. So that's that's a lot of waters under the bridge since then.
6: And I guess she, she's pretty much in the position now, where there's not a tournament in the world she couldn't play if she wanted to.
0: No, let's think. Maybe the Masters. Um, <laughs> well, and we, let's not go there. We don't want her playing <laughs> men's events. But um, no, I, I, and I think she's com- comfortable with that too. You know, obviously every event that she gets teased up on, she's going to have some sort of pressure and nerves. But it just shows that. Um, you know every single major that we played, and um, you know she showed that she had the ability to to continually play well. And um,
6: yeah, it's good. With all the talk about um, her turning pro, and it's inevitably going to happen at some stage. As a coach, is there so- something you have to sort of? Um, it's a different kind of pressure that she's going to have to deal with. How does-
0: Well, I guess we'll find out that when that happens. Um, you know, there's so many so many unknowns in, in the next year or the next two years. So you know, we're not quite sure, but. Um, yeah, she's, she's played enough golf to know that she can handle it. Um, you know, swinging the club and hitting the ball around.
6: And I guess that's the thing that she brings, isn't it? It's such a simplistic approach that she just hits the ball well, and it, it goes in it the hole. L-
0: looks like that from here, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I don't know what's going on in her head. and maybe She doesn't probably half the time, but you know, the work that she's done over the last 10 years, hitting balls countlessly, those hours on the range and all of that time spent you know with, with, with me, um, obviously, obviously worked.
6: So isn't the key will be just to keep her in that... Keep that simplicity to a game and not yeah. get too carried away with I, all this stuff. Yeah,
0: well, we just got to manage it. Um, that's going to be the goal. Then you, at the end of the day, you can't control everything, but um, just manage it as best as possible and continually, um, you know, work towards the goals that we set.
6: Are you impressed with how well she's handled all the attention she's got overseas as well? It must <laughs> must be pretty tough on her. And
0: just, yeah, but the thing is, it's only it's only genuinely in event week and at the course. So um, the good thing about it is, she can just sort of. you know leave and, and, and have it out of her hair for a while and then um, also too now that she can um, only because she's so good she can say right I don't want a whole lot of single interviews I just want one press conference um, so that way she gets all that in one go.
6: And, and as an athlete um, obviously her work ethic's pretty good there, so you'll just give her a bit of time now and then she'll come back when she's... You know, ready and.
0: Yeah, she'll, she'll hang, the, hang the boots up and uh, just focus completely on studying. Um, and yeah, just like she is with golf, she'll just dedicate every single second to it. So um, I think she'll, um, you know, probably have a couple of weeks, maybe even, you know, a month off, um, but then come back um, really looking forward to it.
6: And her work, you think you never have to (laughs) give her any extra motivation, I imagine?
0: No, I mean, you know, she's shown that um, she knows where she wants to be and she knows what she's got to do to to get there. So, um, you know, there's always things that we can improve and she knows that. She's probably the harshest critic on her game. So, uh, you know, there's always things that we can we can tinker with and, and, and improve. I guess she's in a
6: pretty good position where she's created all these options for herself, so there's no sort of that's, that's, pressure, and she's got the choice. That's the
0: thing. Um, you know, this year, this time last year, when everyone was saying, hey, you should turn pro, you just turned down $300,000, it would have been a different story now. Now so she's basically making a, um, you know, a, a standard for um, when people turn pro. So, yeah.
1: Lydia Coe's coach, Guy Wilson is expected to turn professional in the next few months. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. Auckland's men's tennis tournament, the Heineken Open, has scored a coupe again, with Spaniard David Ferrer returning to the ATP event. The World number 4 will attempt to win a record fifth Heineken Open title in Auckland this summer. The Spaniards won the last three editions of the tournament and four in total, tied on the all-time list with Australian Roy Emerson. Fourier will be joined in Auckland by the flamboyant Frenchman Gael Monfils and the World number 21, South Africa's Kevin Anderson. The tournament director Carl Budge told Alex Coogan-Reeves that Fourier was certainly a target that they're delighted to have re-signed.
4: Our two top prospects this year were David Ferrer and Gael Monfils, um, so delighted that they're coming back. David's the highest ranked player anywhere in the world playing our week and uh, there's, there's not much more we can do than that. And, you know, to have his loyalty to us, so I think it was important statement for us, not only to him but also to other players on the tour that
6: that we want to reward what he's uh, what he's done for us over a long period of time. So absolutely delighted. Yeah, I guess um, you, you could have gone chasing possibly bigger players, but you wouldn't have been able to get um, you know a guy like Ferreira as well. That would have been a bit.
4: Yeah, I, I think you, you know if you if we go after a Songer or a. You know, a, and a DAL or someone like that, all those eggs go in one basket, and, and you're quite exposed, like you saw happen in Sydney last year, where they went after Songa and he pulled out before the tournament started. Um, you know, that, that's one of the issues you always face. And so, you know, David provides uh, not only that, you know, that the highest calibre of player coming to our shores, but uh, a guy that we know is going to turn up and, uh, and, and be here come Saturday as well.
6: Was it a lot harder to get be um, here this year, given last year, obviously, Wildcard had been injured, sort of easing back into it? Yeah, it is.
4: Um, Gail's a, a guy that's in high demand right around the tour. I mean, for, the, for all the reasons we saw as Kiwi fans last year, he's he's a guy that entertains, that, that people, even if you're not a tennis fan, want to come and see. And, you know, getting Gail is, is always a bit of a battle, but we, we put strategies in place, and one of those was showing him a great time last year, supporting him in a time where he was coming back from injury and, and you know, making sure we looked after him then and thankfully he, that loyalty to him has shown off this year and he's uh, he's pretty
6: keen on coming back and, and he's pretty excited by the thought. How big is that for you guys obviously as a sort of an endorsement of what you're doing having guys like that that really want to come back? Yeah,
4: it's it's rewarding.
6: It's, it's really nice when you get I guess when
4: those strategies pay off and to know that you can put that in place and look after a guy like Gail or David and that they're going to look after you and know that you, I guess, trust you to look after them and, and give them the best possible preparation for the Australian Open is, um, is rewarding.
6: And I guess, I guess for a small tournament like um, like it is, it's, that's always going to be your best bet rather than, as you say, putting all your eggs in one basket and going after big name stars. Yeah, look, we, we still want to bring the absolute best of tennis to these shores and,
4: and over the coming weeks we'll make further announcements that, uh, that are really exciting and will show uh, the depth of our field this year. Uh, but we also need to make sure that we look after those guys that have been very loyal to us. And, you know, our David career doesn't come around too often and so when you build that relationship with them, you, you want to make sure that, uh, that you're getting everything you possibly can out of it. Uh, when, it when that time finishes it's, um, it's going to leave a big gap.
6: Yeah, I guess um, he'll be coming to the end of his career in the next few years, so hopefully I guess with some younger players here that might come up, is that sort of where you'd be looking now, Um, up-and-coming players? Yeah, we've got probably another couple of top 20s we'll announce those next
4: couple of weeks as well, but certainly one in particular upcoming player that um, that we're just looking to, to dot some I's and cross some T's on, on paperwork and get him out here. He's uh, someone that has some big reps and, and certainly those sort of are the guys that we want to form relationships with
6: and hope that we can get back here on year. So um, compared to last year's field, how, how's it shaping? you think it's um, definitely going to be up there? and
4: yeah, I think we'll have a, a, a stronger depth of field than we had last year. Um, our, as I say, there's a few I's to dot and T's to cross, but uh, we should be in a position in the coming weeks to, to announce some, some further top 20 players. Um, which uh, you know, to, There's no guarantee that Kevin at 21 will be one of our top four seeds, and that's a, that's a pretty good endorsement for, for the tournament.
1: Heineken Open Tennis Director Carl Budge talking to Alex Coogan-Reeves. The top two teams in the domestic rugby championship meet this weekend with Wellington and Canterbury playing in the capital. Both sides are unbeaten and both look destined for the playoffs. Part of Wellington's success this year could be because they have all-black Lucy Victor Vito leading the pack. Vito is left out of Steve Hansen's squad for the rugby championship. However, he's making the most of his time in the provincial game. Vito says Wellington have kept an eye on this Canterbury match for a while.
7: Yeah, You'd be lying if you said it's just another game, but um, you know at the same time... Um, We've had some games before that uh, would be kind of a, a little bit disappointed if we had dropped any of them. So, um, you know, Canterbury, we're going into a little bit of a sort of our test window now. Um, you know, we've got guys like Canterbury work out in Auckland, but, um, you know, we've got the top two teams going out of this weekend and that's probably our main focus.
5: Is that the way you'd have it, sort of warming up with the maybe lesser teams, for lack of better words, and, and hit these guys mid-season once you've got a roll on?
7: Oh, I think you need to start, um, you know, getting a roll on with those teams and, I think they're not so much lesser teams, but we've got certain game plans that we want to try and force in, and they still weren't perfect, so um, if anything, it's just given us a bit more time to get our game right, heading into a team, a big challenge like Canterbury.
8: How does that uh, affect you with a few injuries and a few changes and that sort of thing?
7: Oh, to be honest, um, it's been hitting us all, all season, uh, all these different injuries and guys uh, being ruled out, so um, look, uh, we've uh, been backing the guys that have come in, so um, it adds a little bit of disruption, but uh, we backed them to go home and do the homework. Is this
8: a defining game though, do you think, for your, for your season?
7: Uh, it's, it's hard to put it, uh, put that much importance on it right now I mean it's still early and still quite a few games to go But um, look, uh, they're playing at home And uh, we've got a pretty clean record at home at the moment So we want to keep it that way So that's probably the main thing that we want to be looking after more about home field advantage, isn't it? Yeah, it's more about making sure that we uh, protect our, our home ground and our fortress And if we win, well, th- that's, uh, that's a great result
8: you appear to be working quite a bit there on the breakdown.
7: Yeah, we, uh, we, we know they've got some big guns coming there by the way of Matt Todd and uh, you know, Luke Whitlock and the, those guys and George as well. Massive uh, influences around the breakdown for Canterbury. So um, you know, if we try and get rid of uh, niggly guys like that, uh, we'll be going a long way towards uh, trying to get the win.
8: And Canterbury, you know how many times they've
7: won, but I
8: mean, what do they, what do, they
7: do? Canterbury, um, you know, they, they play a pretty, um, pretty open game. And they're very good at it. You know, a lot of people think open, so they're not physical. But, um, you know, I think the stats uh, don't lie and say that they actually are very physical and they win that breakdown battle uh, nine times out of ten. So we've really got to be onto it. I mean, we, we still want to play and we don't want to try and, you know, really just want to take it up the guts because they're, they're pretty good at that too. So we've got to keep playing to our strengths as well as uh, trying to nullify some of theirs.
8: What about you playing in the ITM Cup? Enjoying
7: it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, if anything, uh, it's... You know, it's, it's quite nice coming back to the the home route so you got these guys that you sort of come through club rugby and all that with and uh, it's uh, actually been a while obviously uh, missing out the All Blacks has given me that chance to sort of rekindle some old friendships but otherwise um, it's been enjoyable, especially winning so um, I think, you know, winning always um, is a good feeling and keeps the boys up. No
4: talk of conspiracy theories, They eh? get all the All Blacks and the guys
7: get none back? <sighs> no, we don't really worry too much about that stuff I mean, we've always sort of been dealt that kind of hand in the past so we don't worry about it too much. And you've been watching the, how
8: the All Blacks have been going?
7: Oh yeah, most definitely. I can't keep my eyes on the screen. It was an awesome uh, test match last week and uh, it was a nice reminder that uh, test match rugby is well, that's what's meant to be played, nice and physical. Yeah,
8: and Stephen's uh, doing a good job there and, and, and Liam's back now. I mean, there's plenty of pressure and for you to perhaps get back in there.
7: Yeah, look, there's plenty of pressure always to get back in there, but I'm not going to worry about it uh, going home and analysing how they're playing. If anything, it's um, Steve sent me back to do my job. And uh, if I try to worry about other guys, I'll probably be putting myself under more pressure than I need to.
8: So you feel you're doing that job?
7: Yeah, slowly but surely. It's um, trying to make sure that I get my hands on the ball a little bit more, if anything.
1: Wellington rugby captain Victor Vito talking to Barry Guy. The English Premier League resumed last weekend after an international break. Liverpool's 100% start ended in the fourth round in a draw, but the Reds still top the table by a point above Arsenal. The Premier League is now of course only available live to New Zealand viewers over the internet after new players Coliseum took the rights off Sky TV and launched PremierLeaguePass.com. But the site's coped some criticism over the lack of high-definition, or HD, coverage, while wide-tracking shots are a bit juddery. Coliseum boss Tim Martin admits they're still working on a few teething issues. Martin spoke to our reporter Richard Wayne and says while the feed isn't perfect yet, it does depend on your net connection too.
9: It's a broadband product and the better your internet, the better your modem, and the better your setup, the better experience you'll be able to have. There is an encoding, uh, tracking on the wide shots is something we're working on. There's still a bit of judder on some of those tracking shots on the wide ones, so we're aware of that and uh, we're getting to the bottom of why that is. That is not an internet connection issue, that is an encoding issue. That is an encoding system that is used up in London where the content is produced, and it is the calibration of that coding system ultimately, or that encoding system, that we are working through to ensure that we can eliminate that. Like, it's a different thing. So so the American guy, New Line our Partners, uh, they do 40,000 live events a year. So they are pretty much the best at encoding sport in the world. And to be clear, you know, like, encoding sport's different to doing things like movies. You know, in sport, when a guy hoofs the ball upfield, particularly in the Premier League or football, the camera's got to pan very quickly. You know, it's a real waffle. And that's what causes the issue. The hardest thing to do is sport. So these guys at New Line are the very best in the world at it.
3: Tim Martin says it is just four rounds into this brave new world. They've made lots of progress on that encoding issue in just the last week or so. And he maintains they've improved PremierLeaguePass.com immensely since they launched in August.
9: Well, look, it's uh, it's new, and I think you know the the reality is we're starting to get a much better understanding of all the different moving parts. We'll iron that out, and we always said, you know, like Premier League Pass will always be improving. You know, we intend to deliver on that.
3: Can I ask you about HD? Because obviously, that's the thing that yep. uh, all the football fans would like to see it in. When's it happening for Premier League
9: Pass? Uh, look, I don't have a specific time frame around it, but uh, certainly we're working on it for us. I think it's more important at this stage to resolve the encoding little, you know, ticks that we've got, we could produce a high definition feed with some of those encoding ticks. And we're still going to have those encoding ticks. But it's certainly on our horizon. You know, we've always said we wouldn't be H D to begin with, but um it's the, it's the one that people really want. So, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to talk more seriously about H D in a month or two. We're very much about meeting the needs of our customers and uh we're working on that also. And certainly, I'd love personally to see that happen in this first season.
3: Can I ask you about how the business side of it's going, like your sure. subscriber numbers? What were those numbers and how are you tracking?
9: So, we don't ever talk numbers with anyone because no one understands uh, the kind of deal we did to secure the rights and what we've done around that. So, putting out specific numbers just uh, without the full picture just misleads everyone. So, uh, the subscriber numbers are great. You know, it's been a great response from people. Every weekend it's growing, you know, as we deliver a bread of and as people get familiar with the tech, they're starting to, you know, be less worried about um, the fact that it's not on Sky anymore and starting to really enjoy the fact that they get 10 games live a weekend, you know, and they can pick and choose when and where and how they watch their football. Commercially, it's working really well. We're getting there and, you know, I think the thing for us is profitability is not necessarily the key for us right now. The key for us is excellent delivery of content and just absolutely satisfying our customer base. And so for us, as opposed to making profit, we would much rather see a high-definition feed. That is a much better use of the money.
3: What do you make of Sky's response with the uh, the four-club TV channel thing, you know, City, United, Arsenal, Spurs, Spurs? Uh, I mean that was very cunning business-wise of them doing that has that you know is there any sort of feeling from Coliseum about how that might have affected take up
9: Look it seems cunning do you know what I mean but we don't think it is I mean we always knew someone could do that It's pretty clear what the rules are and it's clear going in that you could do those four club channels The reality is is that you know we're about premium offering of sports and um the premium offering is when it's live and you don't know the result I mean you have a look at you know For the first time, the Sky's four club channels, all those clubs play on a Saturday in the UK this week, which is the first time that's happened this season. And, you know, ask your Arsenal and your Tottenham fans how they feel about where they've been scheduled into for Sky's schedule. I mean, it's not really a great football-watching experience. I mean, pretty much you're going to have to watch the Arsenal game on Monday. So I don't think that's what football fans deserve. You know, the value of sport is when it's live or when you don't know the result. True. So, you know, their response seems like it was great, but... And I think what it's done is probably changed the shape of our sales curve. I think a lot of people, you know, because when Sky announced they had all this stuff, they didn't announce how they had to schedule it. And the scheduling restrictions are onerous. And they didn't mention anything like that. So everyone thought, oh, that's great. We don't need to get Premier League pass anymore because um, all the four team, top teams are going to be on Sky when I want them. And I think what people are discovering is that's actually not what Sky bought. You know, the restrictions are much greater than that. You know, if you had four channels and essentially just allowed to show four games when you wanted,
2: mm.
9: that'd be great. That'd be a really effective weapon. And then if you were able to do that, then the Premier League wouldn't have done a £5 billion rights deal on this rights cycle. The reality is you're not allowed to do that. I mean, there's no backdoor in, right? If there's a backdoor in, this Premier League deal would collapse globally. And I think in the shame, in many ways, there's so much other good football out there that they could have purchased.
3: Sky. I mean, last thing on this, have Sky kept to the rules as well?
9: Well, that's up for the Premier League to decide. Um, I don't think so, personally. In fact, you know, no, they haven't. What have they that, done? You know, what have they done? Well, like, well, there's all there's there's obvious breaches, and then there's less obvious breaches, and it looks to me like they're not. Um, but again, it's not for us. Again, we're not really overly worried about it. It's a, um, if the Premier League take exception to it, then the Premier League will take exception to it. That's
3: not up to us. You haven't talked to the EPL about Sky and, and what they're doing at all then?
9: No, we have not, no. Cool.
3: All right, can I ask you what else might be coming up on PremierLeaguePass.com? I, I heard rumours of the Championship, League 1, Serie A. I haven't heard anything yes. about La Liga, but uh, what's, what's in the pipeline?
9: Well, look, not sure yet, so we're looking at quite a few things. You know, ultimately, what we need to do is get Premier League running beautifully first. But there's certainly lots of stuff out there. La Liga's for sale, um, Serie A's for sale, League One's for sale. Um, it looks like the Champions League's going to be for sale. Mm-hmm. So there's football. You know, we've already put on the um, a couple of World Cup qualifiers.
3: Mm. Yeah, which, absolutely. Yep.
9: Which is, you know, that's what Premier League classes are all about. You know, starting to add the football that our customers want. You know, and and start delivering more football to New Zealanders, which is what we've always said we we wanted to do. And we really liked the way some of those um, World Cup qualifiers went. You know, they were they were great. We got a lot of good feedback about them. So you know, there's heaps of good football out there, and we'll keep looking. I mean, some of the things like um, La Liga are prohibitively expensive, and again, we're just not entirely convinced how many people would pay for the service. But we'll keep, uh, but we keep looking. I'll tell you that.
3: How about other sports? We've heard that there was a meeting in July with NZ rugby bosses about what what might happen from 2015. Uh, that's the possibility at this stage.
9: Well, look, we you know we've met with the rugby union. That was very much just an introduction, meet and greet. You know what I mean? Like Steve Chu said when Coliseum announced that we're of interest to them. The thing with rugby is I think Sky do a very good job with rugby in New Zealand. Plus, as well, they've got the ability to shoot all the games. So I'm not quite sure what value we can add there. You know, we New Zealanders would love to be involved in rugby. That would be amazing. But the relationship between the New Zealand Rugby Union and Sky is very, very good. So uh, we'll wait and see. Certainly other sports, you know, are interesting. But, you know, as I say, there's so much football. You know, at this stage we're sticking to football. But, um, you know, in the future there's lots we could look at.
1: That's Coliseum boss Tim Martin talking to our reporter Richard Wayne. Well, that's extra time for this week, a We only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. We look forward to bringing you another show next week. This is Mayo.
7: Botox Cosmetic, Auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.